I think you are totally off base on that. I completely disagree. You make a good point. You know what? I agree. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of DD&D, Dice, Drinks, and Discourse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Billy, and welcome to episode eight. We're making it far. We're getting up there. Yeah, I know. We're finally gonna gonna hit one zero, and then in another few weeks, we'll be able to we'll be able to go uh, fight in a war, and then in another oh, yes. few weeks after that, we can oh, start yes. drinking. Well, I mean, we already are drinking, so oh, yeah. but, I don't but know about pod- that. Our podcast can join in. Oh yes, that is very true. We should have and something special for episode twenty one, where it's like the the legal uh, <laughs> the legal episode. I think we're gonna have one for eighteen and for twenty one because eighteen is like the world, and then twenty one is America. So Sounds good to me. We'll we'll have to figure that out. But yeah, this is like, I feel like we're now entering further and further into the world of podcasts because now we've been on the General Failure podcast. Oh yeah, and that was so much fun. And if anyone that... hasn't uh, checked them out yet, check out uh, General Failure podcast. We were on last week's episode. Yeah, they are three great guys. They talk about nerd news, nerd updates, and everything of like that, mainly focusing on video games and uh, pop culture. But it was it was just so much fun talking with them. Yeah, no, I love those guys. I was so happy to have the opportunity. So if you get the chance, please check them out wherever you can find podcasts. Yeah, they are on uh, iTunes and Spotify and one other, which I cannot remember. They have uh, similar troubles. Stitcher. Trouble- Stitcher. Yeah, they, Stitcher. Have, they have yeah. similar similar problems with Google Podcasts, too. Uh, it's always nice to find a comrade at arms against the mega corporation that is Google. Watch <laughs> out. Watch out, uh, Google. We're, we're getting we're getting at you. This is this yes. is a call out post. This is a call <laughs> out, obviously. Anyway, so let's uh, let's get right into it, because I think we're going to yeah. need some extra time near the middle. Uh, so what are we drinking today? <laughs> OK. Well, so this week we're having an old law fashioned. Okay. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say I, I I knew from the recipe that this is some kind of old fashioned. That much didn't yes. escape me. So yeah, this is based off an old fashioned. Um, I didn't don't know if you know this, Billy, but in Pathfinder, in the uh in the items section, there is something called old law whiskey. I did not know that. There's a yeah. lot about the Pathfinder system that I am unaware of. <laughs> but we'll there is an actual item you can get called the Old Law Whiskey. And okay. it is it is rated like the top whiskey in all the land. Okay. And I was thinking that, well, we, uh, that we could do something with Old Law Whiskey. And I didn't want it to be just whiskey because I thought it would be fun to do a cocktail. So we're doing an Old Law Fashioned. Excellent. No, I like that. Yeah. Um, Cool. Why don't you tell us uh, who you want to try it first, or do you want to tell us a little about it? Let's let's go for a try first, and then we'll talk about it. Sound All right. good? Sure. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, I love that so much. This is actually like one of my personal favorites that we're doing so far. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. What are you? Are, are you? <laughs> you're a little off by it. I can tell. A, yeah. No. I. I. I, I can. I cannot tell a lie. Uh, Scotch is one of my least favorite drinks and old really? fashions are right up there with just I don't I don't really taste much other than the whiskey. And I guess that's the point. I don't know. Um, so maybe this is where your knowledge can come in. But I've yes, the the smokiness is never really a, a big draw for me. Like it just okay. it it doesn't really grab me, you know. Yeah. So we're going to do a, we're going to do another sip. But this time, I want you to hold it in your mouth. Don't just drink it fast. I want you to mm-hmm. hold it in your mouth. Wait until your tongue gets a little numb, and then drink it back. Okay? Oh, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna I, like, burn I'm, a I, hole in my mouth. 
I want to educate you about this because okay. like right. scotch is a huge thing for me. So yeah. I really want like and, you to have a little bit of education. That's what's part of this podcast is learning new yeah. things. Let's do it. Let's get another one. So get take a sniff, take that little uh, sniff of it. Get those aromas. You hold it in your mouth till your tongue gets to that little bit, uh, till that little bit of numbness comes, and then you just swallow it back. Okay. That was better. I I, yeah. do, I do yeah that it kind of tasted like like uh, medicated mouthwash, but like better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I well, I, I, I kind of see what you're getting at. It like sort of it's sort of like it, it's like a local anesthetic, but like tasty. Okay, well, <laughs> so the reason behind that idea of tasting it is because whiskey is very sh- strong up front. It has this very biting nodes to it, and you, if in order to really get the flavors, you want to actually like take a whiff of it. And every whiskey, there's going to be three smells to it: the top, the middle, and the bottom. Uh, the top, if you smell the top of it, you're going to get a lot of different uh, aromas to it. The middle is like your body of it, and the bottom is going to have that mainly alcohol smell. And that's based uh, on how how much of it you've you've had. At once you get those different notes of smell, then you can go for the sip. The reason why you want to let it sit in your mouth is because of that uh, initial bite and burn, and then the uh, and then you swallow it back, and then the aftertaste of once you've swallowed it is going to give you all the different flavors that you might experience. With an old fashioned, one of the reasons why we're doing an old fashioned is because. Uh, if, if an old-fashioned is done really properly, you're not going to get that throat burn of drinking whiskey that you would normally get. Yeah, I did notice that. It didn't burn going down. It had a little bit on the on the way in, but it's okay. All right, I, yeah. I see where you're coming with this. It's it's The taste is still, you know, just personal preference, a little, well, a little less also, so. Well, also, you're drinking... Uh, <laughs> You're drinking the uh, Gordon Graham's Black Bottle Whiskey, right? Okay, yes. I was going to say, y- yeah. you wanted to talk about that. Uh, yes. I don't know the difference between a single malt and a blended scotch, so yeah. please. So a blended scotch is made of different scotches to get a particular flavor. And once they have that flavor, that's kind of what they're sticking with. Whenever they're blending all of the scotches together, that's what they're going for. Okay. Uh, the black bottle for uh, Gordon Graham's is made with one peat-based one and then a lot of less no-peat or less peat-based um, whiskeys. What you're getting when smokiness comes from two things, the barrel that it is aged in and the peat that it is infused with. Okay, Usually so what's peat, what's peat just so uh, for those of us yeah. who don't know, like me? <laughs> so <laughs> peat is a moss that is grown up in Scotland. Uh, okay. And it, uh, it can be in other places, but Scotland is kind of like the home for it. Right. I, say, uh, I assume that's why it's called scotch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so you have this peat, which is grown on, mainly on the West Coast in very rainy uh, and cold climates. The island of Isla mm-hmm. is the main home for it. Wait, hold on. Is that the island of Ireland? No. Is that what that means? <laughs> Because Ila means island, I think, in certain languages. <laughs> so it's I S L E for the Isle. Oh, okay. Uh huh. I S L E of I S L A Y. Island. Oh, uh, okay. okay. Isle gotcha. of Isla. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and they're they're the m- biggest peat source in the world, and they okay. ship internationally and everything like that. But 
uh, peat has its own scale, and each whiskey that is made with peat is basically the, they burn the peat and infuse the whiskey with the smoke, and that gives it that peaty texture, aroma, all those different things. Okay. Um, all right. So you can have whiskeys that are different peats. I am drinking uh, Singleton uh, whiskey, which is uh, the Singleton Select, which is uh, aged in bourbon barrels. So okay. it also has a sweeter taste from the bourbon barrels, where yours is actually, because it's a blended, the a, the barrel doesn't matter as much because there's so many different things that add to a blended. Uh, okay. That that's the diff- that's the main difference. Blended is a mixture of a lot of difference, different malts and everything whereas I'm drinking a single malt which means it was m- once it was made with a single batch and that is all that you get, that one batch. Okay, interesting. I I, I assume that's meant to have I mean that creates a different fav- flavor profile like you just said. Yeah. And then oh. depending on the age of the uh, of the whiskey, this uh the single the select, I don't remember how long it's aged. Um, but it is just the one that I'm drinking. It's uh, got a very nice balance. It's not too sweet, not too bitter. Um, it's all malted barley. It's in bourbon casks. Uh, it's definitely above three years because that's how much it has to be to be a scotch. But it's a select, so I don't know exactly what it is. Um, gotcha. Okay. Whereas uh, the last thing I'll mention about the blended as well is. Blends are very specific to the taste. They're trying to aim for a specific taste. So if you don't like that taste of that blend, you can always go to a different scotch. Finding the right scotch is kind of like finding your soulmate because once you find <laughs> that one that you really love, that's the one that you stick with. I am very pre- uh, preferential to Oban and Jura. Those are my two favorites. Okay. So the Oban 12 year and the Jura, Jura 7 wood are both two of my personal favorites. But um, yeah, there's so much about scotch that I could talk about. But that's yeah, really we're drinking, no, that's that's very yeah. cool. I'm, I'm I'm I feel like I've learned, which is Woo, kind of the point good. and everything. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe this will give me a give me a chance to to branch out in my my experience of alcohol. Right now, my only real experience with scotch is uh, the very special bottle of Johnny Walker blue I have in my cabinet uh, that I got from my father who had kept it in his basement for several years, forgot it was there and said, Hey, do you want it? And I said, Oh, sure. I'll take it. Um, which is very good. I did enjoy it. It was, it was a good experience. It was very smooth and I liked that. Uh, but you know, it's, it's not a, it's not one you bring out every so often. So I'm, well, I'm, so I'm glad we'll to do... have been, I'm glad to have been brought into this, into this world a little bit. Yeah. What we'll do next time is we'll kind of do like a whiskey hunt for you. Uh, next time you're home, I will prepare like a flight, which is about, I think, five different whiskeys. And you get to taste, uh, get a little bit of the taste of each of them. So you can compare the notes and the textures of each. So you can really decide, is this for me or am I just like, or is just whiskey not for me? Or you might find one where it's like, you know what? That one is close to what I like, and then you can actually dive further from there. That sounds perfect to me. I'm I'm yeah. looking forward to that. But yeah, All right. uh, we'll definitely do that uh, in the future. Awesome. Well, thank you. So that's the old law fashioned. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you for uh, for bringing that up. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Also, no one. Uh, there are Scotch recipes for old fashions, but the reason why we're calling it old law is because. 
we're we're doing something with old law we're doing something with pathfinder we're doing here. something special we're, we're we're branching out a little bit and talk taking a break from our uh, 5e class discussions and mm-hmm. going into the world of pathfinder which took me by surprise uh just Based on how, I mean, you we usually play 5e because of whatever reason, you know, I like yeah. to play it because it's super simple and there's a lot of great published material out there that just really gets me going and helps me bring other people into the fold without having to explain too much. But uh, I don't think, I, I never played Pathfinder with you or any of our friends at home and I know some of us have experience with it, but I never, we never really well, so delved into I've... it together, which just makes me excited for talking about today. Yeah, well, so I've played Pathfinder First Edition once. I haven't played it that much. I yes. I enjoyed it when I played it, but I not like I didn't get into it to the point where I dived headfirst into all of the books and everything because of the fact that there was so much that I still needed to explore with Dungeons and Dragons and other mm-hmm. systems that I was currently focused on. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff to go into in Pathfinder. Like that yeah. I feel like is the biggest barrier to entry even for me is there's so much material out there. And that actually leads into like the reason why Pathfinder exists as it does. I don't know how much you know about the origin of Pathfinder. I uh, know the ge- I know the general gist of three point uh, people like Dungeons and Dragons 3.5 edition and then 4th edition came out and everyone who liked 3.5 edition was like this is garbage and so they were <laughs> like we're going to make our own and they made Pathfinder. Yes, and that's basically you know it's best based that's the the long and short of the story. I know that in researching this a little bit I found out that there was significant concern over the new Dungeons and Dragons game system license that uh, Fourth Edition adopted, mm-hmm. where I don't know, I didn't learn about this until you know earlier reading about it, but it's the license that allows third-party publishers to create products in the system for Dungeons yeah. and Dragons, and uh, supposedly they would be a lot more restrictive under Fourth Edition, controlling which you know who could publish what material without fear of lawsuit from Wizards of the Coast. So. Mm-hmm. Paizo, the company that publishes Pathfinder, created Pathfinder after the release of 4th edition in order to create their modified version of 3.5 that kept that open game license that allows uh, other companies to basically make their own content and contribute to the Pathfinder system without fear, without that kind of fear. And that's where a lot of the uh, – that's where a lot of the – Con- well, not a lot of the content, but it's 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 where a significant amount of third party content comes from, and I think that's very you know I think that's notable. I like that uh, it sort of has this not you know man of the people kind of vibe, but essentially looking over a core what I think is a core attribute of the role playing game system is the ability for players to contribute to that community and bring their own ideas to. The the and we see that with uh, DMs Guild and other uh, independent publishers that create those contents com- the, that content compatible with Fifth Edition. Yeah. But to have that as part of the one of the core tenets of the Pathfinder role playing system, I think is great. Yeah, it really I it really opens up the game to creators and really makes it a free form that uh, the community the community can really build upon and experiment with and really grow as a whole rather than the segmented growing of D&D. Right. And I, I and so since its original publication, uh, I don't remember what year was it? 2007? No. 2008. I have 2008. No idea. 
2008, I believe, was when it was announced. Oh, sorry, it was announced in 2008. I don't remember what year it was published. 2009. Sorry, August of 2009. Um, since then, they had a very successful first edition of the game, and second edition recently released uh, last year in August at Gen mm-hmm. Con. Uh, I was lucky enough to pick up one of the core rule books when they were selling it there, and it's I'm a really still interesting. Still waiting on mine. Jesus. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, so I there was the humble bundle deal. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I bought the I did, paid the thirty bucks for the PDFs, like all the PDFs, and then all the core rule books as well, the rule book and the monster manual. And I still haven't received my physical copy in the mail yet, so I'm oh, still waiting on that Paizo. That's unfortunate, but. In the meantime, uh, right now we're going to be talking yes. mostly about first edition because that's what I'm more familiar with. I haven't had the chance okay. to play uh, second edition yet. I've been perusing the rules. It's very interesting. They've simplified a lot of things from first edition, uh, like the action economy and how certain spells sure. and other things, uh, other abilities work. And it's really interesting. There's a lot that reminds me of fifth edition, which is oh, interesting. Oh, interesting. To me. Yeah, the way so, some things are sort of streamlined. Uh, but we're going to we'll get into that maybe another yeah. day when I'm more familiar with it. So Pathfinder first edition. So what's the uh, what's the goal today, Jesse? What are we uh, what are we doing? Well, so this is where our communication lacked because I currently have a character sheet for second edition in front of me. Oh. But hopefully that won't make too much of a difference. If not, I can just flip over to the back of the sheet. But we're going to make me a character in Pathfinder. I yeah, I, be... it's it's going to make a difference. So if um, <laughs> I would well, recommend so flipping yeah, the I sheet. Have, I have that flip over. I'm going to be able to fill on the, the parts of the sheet here and then flip over to the back. But the second edition character sheet is four pages long. Yep. Yeah, yeah. it is. Is, that is. Is the first edition the same? No, the first – well, kind of. Uh, kind it's, of. It's, no, it's two pages long. Uh, it's front Okay. So, all right. So then I will flip over to a blank sheet of paper that I have in front of me just because I didn't know if this was going to happen or not. Luckily, I have that blank sheet of paper. Let's let's go. I'm let's I'm ready. All right. So uh, the first thing the first thing you want to do, uh, if if you don't happen to have the physical rule books in front of you, is to go to a very nifty website called d20pfsrd.com. Uh, so that's D20, where you'll. Yep. Pf, D20. Oh, that's fine. SRD. Yep. Yes. That's where, uh, basically a hub of information that's widely available for basically everything you need to know about Pathfinder. Um, that's All where right. I start with. So you see a lot of information there, don't you? I, I do. So we're going to focus mostly on the left side because that's where player stuff goes. Right now, you're going to need to choose your ability. Well, first of all, I think it's probably better to have an idea of what kind of class you want to be before we actually choose it. We'll talk about what kind of class. What, so what, uh, what are you thinking of? What kind of character you want to be? Well, so this is where my inexperience gets me. What are the class options? Oh, that's very true. There are a, a, a large amount of classes, much more than in 5th edition. So we've got the core classes, uh, Barbarian, Bard, Druid, Cleric, Fighter, Monk, Paladin, Ranger, etc., etc. Uh, noticeably, there is no Warlock class. That is sort of okay. a new thing with uh, D&D. So there's Sorcerer and Wizard, but no Warlock. Um, then we have what are called the base classes, which are other – it's another, another grouping. We don't have to – I don't know too much about why they're called that, but – so there's the alchemist, the cavalier, uh, the samurai, the gunslinger, inquisitor, magus, which is my personal favorite, uh, the oracle, shifter, summoner, vigilante, as a whole uh, witch, and I think that's 
it so far. All right. Um, well, so the there's two a that, lot. <laughs> so because it's your favorite, why not I make a Magus? Like, uh, okay, it's your... they're they're a little complex, but let's go back to that. Well, I wasn't done. We have ultimate oh. classes. Oh, uh, so where a lot of classes have been put into subclasses where they get fewer abilities as part of a larger class in fifth edition, a lot of these classes are their own class in Pathfinder. For example, the Alchemist, instead of being a subset of uh, Artificer in 5e, they're their own class. I played an Alchemist before, and they're very fun. Um, Cavalier, same thing, is like a subclass in 5e. Uh, alternate classes like Anti-Paladin, this is where they get the chance, uh, it's basically an evil paladin, whereas in 5e you could just choose an evil paladin following an evil god. Um, sorry, I said Samurai Or earlier, do Oathbreaker. Or do Oathbreaker, exactly. Uh, Anti-Paladin, Ninja. I've never played a Ninja, but that sounds cool. Samurai is n is its own thing. It's not part of the base classes, but whatever. Um, and then we have the hybrid classes. Hybrid classes are cool. I've, I've, I've never been able to play one effectively, but they've been fun. Like the Arcanist. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know what the Arcanist does. They're basically a combination of two different classes, and they get special abilities based on that. Oh, yeah, the, the Arcanist is a, is a combination of the Sorcerer and the Wizard. Um like the swashbuckler is a cross between the rogue and I think the fighter. I don't remember. Sure. War priest is like cleric fighter. Slayer is great. That's like rogue and ranger um, mm -hmm. and or fight. I don't know. Scald is basically like a, a cross between a barbarian and a bard, which is cool. There's shaman investigator. Investigator is interesting. They, they've got a lot of weird stuff going on. The hunter is like ranger and fighter. I think I don't remember. Brawler is monk fighter and blood rager, which is basically sorcerer and uh barbarian which i love okay i think that's super cool um they have then a couple it looks of looks like it looks like there's also unchained classes yeah that's kind of like updated versions of other classes gotcha um, that, so like a lot of people on earth arcana pretty much yeah a lot of people have complaints about normal monks which is why unchained monk exists and sort of like to edit that occult classes are from occult adventures i think most of them are from that it's a specific uh, setting and rule set one thing about uh, Pathfinder that I think is really great is that they publish a lot of books with alternate rules and mm -hmm. specific extra rules you can add or subtract, whatever you'd like, like Ultimate Intrigue, which is one that's mostly useful for social encounters and like social campaigns where you're using your skills more often than you're fighting. But you're still fighting, you know what I mean? And then there's yeah. – we don't have to talk about these, but Prestige classes are really cool. They're basically – I don't if think – If you remember 3rd third, uh, third and 3.5 edition, they're very prevalent in that. Yeah, basically you have certain prerequisites that you get as your character progresses, and if you meet, meet, meet them all and you level up, you can take a level in a prestige class, which is cool. I've played one before. Um, I played the Shadow Dancer, which is really cool, kind of like a shadowy okay. rogue. Alas, oh, no. alas. Oh, Billy, no. where, you where'd here? you go? Am I here? Oh, yes, you are here. Oh, good. Okay. I, I thought I was. Uh, I thought I'd lost you. Anyway, uh, Billy, so what class are we thinking? you'll never lose me in my heart, but... <laughs> Maybe on the internet you will. I don't Maybe know. Maybe on the internet. Uh, okay, so what you wanted to go into the Magus? Well, so I'm looking at all of them, right? And yep. I am very much drawn to this Inquisitor uh, in the base classes. Yes, so the Inquisitor is cool. They're kind of like, they're like a paladin almost, but it's sort of commonly seen that they're they're not... They're holy warriors, you know, they, they yeah. in the same way, but they're a little less tied to the, you know, the moral side of that. It, you know, 
in yes. classic D&D and Pathfinder, the paladin has a very specific connotation of, you know, holy do-gooder. But the Inquisitor can get into a little of a moral gray area, uh, depending I on what... I think I will go with the Inquisitor, please. All right. So feel free to pull that window up. I'd recommend popping sure. it into a second tab because we're going to need a couple of them. Um, sure. We'll need to go back to the base page several times. All right. So let's let's get all the information down of, like, what I need to get down before going into each specific thing. Yes. Okay. So... I don't know what you mean by that. <laughs> well, so, like, we got the class. What about yes. race? Uh, okay. So that's really up to you. Uh, I don't know enough about the, the, the races to be able to tell you which one's best and which one isn't. There are well, a lot of them. So uh, the core races are dwarf, elf, gnome, half-elf, half-orc, halfling, and human. Yep. And there are a whole bunch of others. Now, a lot of people will talk about, like, RP, which is race points, where it's basically like a measure of the abilities that each race gets. I don't really pay attention to that, and I've never really gotten into it just because it's one extra thing that doesn't – it's not super relevant. So basically well, pick what – there's a whole bunch of others. Like the ASMR yeah. – ASMR works a little bit differently in this, but we don't have to get into all the details. Well, so the thing is – the when I was first introduced to role-playing games, one of the things that kept coming up was the meme of the joking goblin okay. where, well, uh, you've seen this, I'm sure. It's the goblin that uh, is like, it will be a pun, and it's the goblin Oh, pun. yeah, yeah, I know that yeah. meme, yeah, yeah. So because of that, I think I'm going to have to go with goblin. Like, that's going to okay. be... go for it. Yeah, yeah. And, there, and there are so many races to choose from, and they're actually really cool. One of my favorites is the Kasatha, which are kind of like weird four-armed alien dudes. I don't know. They're, sure. They're, they're cool. But, uh, yeah, so go for Goblin. Uh, you might want to pull that up in another... I, I already uh, have. Cool. Yeah, I just can't find it. Um, Featured races, it's um, down there. Under Fletching. Fletchling. Uh, oh, Fetchling, yep. Fetchlings yeah. are really cool. I played... Uh, I never played one. Um, but I've, I've, <laughs> oh yeah, I played a fetch, uh, fetching. No, 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 wait, no, I haven't. No, I, I, I get <laughs> very confused when I think of things from the Glass Cannon podcast. Speaking of which, that's where I got a lot of my experience from uh, understanding how the game works. So mm -hmm. I highly recommend you got anyone who is a little, little hesitant about Pathfinder find an actual play podcast that plays Pathfinder and like just listen into how they roll, how certain things work, what you know skills are used for certain things, and how. That all goes into, and you'll get a better idea of how the game is played before you, you know, go into playing it. Because there can be a lot of rules, but getting into it through the like course of a story can be a lot easier. I highly recommend the Glass Cannon podcast, but you know, I, I... is there anything I have to pick before we go diving in? Any more uh, things? Because we picked race and class. No. Um, okay. There are, so well. In race, there's something called alternate racial traits where you can swap out certain abilities based on your character's background. I've mentioned that in our episode we talked about race. Mm -hmm. uh, but we don't have to worry about that for now. Let's just assume we'll, you we'll take stick all the, with, Yeah, we're going to yeah, stick with core for stick now. Stick with all the, all the base uh, race traits. Yes. So uh, let's start. There's really – you can really start wherever. Uh, let's start with ability scores. Do you, do okay. You, usually I when I play Pathfinder, I use a point-by system, or you can use the rolled method. It's the same thing as D and D. Oh, so it's uh four. So I'm gonna say four D six D one, but really that means uh you roll four D sixes, uh which are the normal dice, and then you take away one of them. Yeah, 
And so I, I don't think we, you know, I can keep talking while you do that, or you can just. I, I feel like we can we can make this a little bit fun with how I'm gonna like I'm gonna I am gonna roll because it's me. I feel like that sure, is important. Go for it. And um, just because I have this special mic here, I'm gonna turn that up just a little bit so that we can um, hear the dice rolls at least a little bit. You sure. Can, gonna shake these up getting that sound effect yeah get that good asmr i know right Mm -hmm. uh but so i have this let's go for a roll the first roll um that is a 10 so base uh yep nice little start second one uh oh my gosh is an 18 (laughs) beautiful well done yeah loving that uh third <laughs> we've got a um five ten another ten there okay uh fourth we've got uh an eleven okay fifth we've got a twelve all right so you got and, one outstanding trait yeah oh that dropped to the ground let's re-roll that and that is a seven. Seven. All right. So, you know. Yeah. You, you got two some tens, stats. an 11, a 12, an 18, and a seven. So, you know, different kinds of inquisitors can do different things. I don't really know much about them other than they're, wis- they're wisdom casters, like clerics mm-hmm. and, uh, and druids. So I'd recommend putting that 18 into wisdom. Sure. Um, 18 to wiz. 12 into strength because i think they do a lot of they can do they can do a lot of uh melee combat and things like that sure, depending sure. on what you do so 12 could, might be good de- could dexterity work as well dexterity you, you, you should probably do dexterity actually yeah because considering i'm a goblin I, I i think it's okay if i'm a very weak one yeah um yeah uh seven would probably be good for int um, really? Yeah. Uh, no, honestly not. But like, if you're gonna, <laughs> actually, you could uh, charisma. I was gonna probably... make him a. I was gonna make him a weak boy. So I, I feel like seven could work for strength. Sure, strength would be fine. Yeah. Um, and then basically and just choose where the guy, eleven yeah. goes. Uh, okay. so we'll do uh eleven for charisma, and okay. then ten for con, and ten for. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go over to uh, race for a second. You get they get a plus four to their dexterity, so bump that up to a sixteen. Nice. Uh, they get a minus two to strength. Okay. Now, usually, a lot of people would say don't you can't start with less than eight. Uh, or sorry, with it's eight, eight or seven. Doesn't really matter. Uh, but I'm gonna say for this for this exercise, we don't really need that. We're, gonna, minus, we're gonna make him a five, okay? And a minus two to charisma, so that'd be a nine. A minus two to charisma. Okay. Yeah, that's why you get the plus four to dexterity, which is good. Gotcha. Um, so one it's thing. It's a good thing that, I put that eleven there then. Yeah. Uh, okay. So your hit dice is a d8, and that okay. is good to know for your uh, speed and not speed stuff for uh, hit points and. Shit yeah. like that. Is hit points in this uh in this the same as D and D five E where the base hit points is the hit die plus your constitution modifier? I believe so. I will double check on that because uh I'm never sure. Alright, that um, means I got a ten for my uh not a ten, I have an eight. Yes, the, for a character my HP. character starts at maximum hit points at first level, okay. uh which is just which I believe is just the no it's just the d8 not constitution Mm. um well either way it would have been an eight so (laughs) yeah exactly uh so yeah 
it's not and healing also works uh there are no short rests there's only a long rest in okay uh pathfinder but everything basically resets on that sure um yes right. so there we go one thing i'm going to mention but we're not going to go into right now is uh mm -hmm. based on your was your casting modifier you can cast extra spells per day Ooh. Um, which i think is really great i think it rewards having higher uh, ability score points and gives you more options i they it gets real there's a lot uh there are a lot more ways to increase past 20 20 is not a hard limit in pathfinder so there's a lot yeah. of magic items that can bone that can bump that up mm. um so for example at 18 to 19 at first level you can cast one extra first first level spell per day awesome that's perfect it's very cool um okay so it's really like I'm going through character creation right now. There's there's a page on D20 PFSRD for it, which is very it is very helpful. Um, let's talk we about skill. Time. Let's talk about let's skill create. ranks then. Um, okay. So skills sure. work a little bit differently in Pathfinder. They're uh, they're based on your class. So you as an Inquisitor, you get six skill ranks plus your intelligence modifier per level. So right now you have six uh, skill ranks to choose from. Do you see okay. the part where it says class skills? Yes, I do. So all of those, if you put a skill rank into them, you get an mm -hmm. extra plus three to your bonus. Ooh, so, so they're kind of like the. So you already get a proficiency bonus, and then you get the, uh, and then you get the like expertise, pretty much. Kind of. It's kind of like the proficiency bonus is always three, and then you okay. can, and then you add pl a plus one for every skill rank you put into it. Um, so sure. Choose so one I got a lot to I got so I get three of these. No, no, you can you uh, get six. Okay, you six of six, them. You have so six for ranks. the Inquisitor, I can choose from bluff, climb, craft, diplomacy, disguise, heal, intimidate, knowledge, uh, knowledge for dungeoneering, uh, intelligence, no, uh, knowledge again for planes of existence, knowledge for religion, perception, profession, ride, sense, motive spellcraft stealth survival and swimming um so if anyone knows the first law trilogy i'm kind of thinking about uh glockter in this case uh i love the first law trilogy i recommend people read it i think the writing is incredible the audiobooks are excellent if you want to like listen to it it's they're long but they're really good but so i'm thinking about glockter right now and so his um insight is like super high so yeah. so that would be sense motive the equivalent sense to insight motive. is sense motive yeah okay, so a lot so of these I'm... skills are so you can put a skill rank into any skill you want it's just you're going to get the the plus three bonus to class skills sure um so I'm and go you can sense... you can only put one skill you can only put one the number of skill ranks into a, one particular skill as your level so you, right now okay. you can't put any more than one rank into any one skill okay so I'm going to go for sense motive, bluff, diplomacy. I feel like those are all good. Those are all mainly like wisdom or charisma here. Yep. Um, diplomacy. Uh, I feel like my knowledge should be of arcana should be one of them. Oh, that's another thing I should uh, mention is knowledge checks work differently. So we have like okay. in 5e, in 5e there's like history, you know, history, nature, religion that kind of stuff those are all broken up into different kinds of things where arcana it's magic stuff dungeoneering is like identifying creatures engineering is structures and how things are made uh, geography is you know, what it says on the tin um knowledge of locations 
knowledge mm-hmm. history, which is historical knowledge, knowledge local. Knowledge local is a very versatile one, where it's basically knowledge of wherever you happen to be right now. It's kind of like a interesting knowledge almost. Like, do you happen okay. to know something that's going on around here? Um, which is also very good. Nature, self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. Nobility is like noble families, a very specific, like a spe- more specific type of knowledge. Planes is like different creatures, different planes of existence, um, depending on what kind of creature it is. And religion, usually like undead and knowledge about gods. All right. So I have two questions. Um, sure. What is profession? Is that like... Yeah, professions are interesting. I think almost every class, if not every class, has a cla- one class skill and profession where there are a number of different professions you can take uh, and you can do certain things based on that. Those That's mostly for role play. You're not going to or, – or knowledge. Uh, you're not going to use them in combat maybe, but things like cook, engineer, farmer, brewer. Interesting. Okay, okay. Um, those can help in certain situations, but they're kind of – Highly specialized, so they're good for so flavor. The fin- so the final two I'm going to take are spellcraft and yeah, so- uh, survival. Okay, and so spellcraft is interesting because that's a skill that's unique that wasn't carried over in Five E, where spellcraft is basically how you identify magic items, and you can roll to be able to say, "Oh, I know that's a, a cloak of resistance," you know. Whereas you, there's no real way to do that outside of an identify spell in 5e, which I think is interesting. Or a or if your DM allows it, you can do a arcana check. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I usually, if it's a very common kind of item, I'll, I'll allow that. But if it's like, I have no idea what this orb of dragon kind is. So. Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. I completely um, agree with that. Okay. Yeah. And so those those are your skills. You can... Sure. Everything else is just based on your, your ability score, which is the same in 5e. Uh, except for the ones that have a rank, you can get a plus three in, as well as your ranks, which is a total of a plus four on top of your ability score, which is cool. Okay. Um, I really like how skills work. I feel like it's a lot more, I don't know, it, it feels like you could specialize more, but it also kind of intimidates me. There's so much you can do, you can only do so much. And it's yeah. based on your intelligence, so it kind of, you know, it, it kind of just puts at a disadvantage anyone who uses intelligence as a dump stat, but, you know, <laughs> that's kind of the point. It's a trade-off. Yeah, um, totally. So starting wealth is just, we'll call it, uh, it's 46. Every class has its own starting wealth, 46 times 10. Let's okay. just go 240 because I want to see if we can, because uh, uh, you'll have to buy your own equipment. Oh, interesting. So it is always buying the own, yep, your own you, equipment. You don't have, uh, you have options in terms of what you can use, but usually your starting gold is what you use to buy it. You don't have the thing in path in a 5e where you just get to choose instead. Sure. Um. So the saves are kind of the same. There's no strength save, which okay. and there's no charisma save. Okay. There are My instead, two dumb stats, so you right. know. Right. Um you may have to roll checks against them, but they'll never be like a saving throw because you get bonuses to fortitude, which is con- which is based on constitution, reflex, sure. which is dex, and will, okay. which is wisdom. So those are the three saves you're going to be using. Um, all right. Which and, are actually all okay. So. Yeah. And so as every level progresses, your save you'll get a, a, a flat bonus to your saves on top of your skill bonus or your ability modifiers. So mm-hmm. at first level, an inquisitor gets a plus two to their fortitude save and a plus two to their will save. Okay. Sweet. And that's known as their base save. So right now you have a plus two to your fort save and a plus four sorry, plus three to your Yeah, plus reflex, three to my pl- pl- to reflex, your reflex save. And then a plus 
uh, six to my wisdom. Correct. To your will saves. Yep. Uh, and those can be added. Those, and one thing that's interesting to note about Pathfinder is how uh, different abilities stack up with each other. So you'll notice that there's magic modifiers and miscellaneous modifiers on your co- – oh, no, I have the character sheet. You don't. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Um, but basically, you want to pay attention to what type of bonus you're getting. Okay. So there, there are things like luck bonuses, morale bonus, um, competency mm-hmm. bonus, or competence bonus, I'm not sure. Uh, they, The same type of bonuses don't stack, but different types of bonuses stack. So those are th- that's interesting just to keep in mind for whether, if your bard gives you a bonus and another ability gives you a bonus of the same type and they're both morale bonuses, you won't sure. you'll have to choose whichever one's higher. Um, okay. And yeah, so let's I, – I, this is – Oh, here's another one. Base attack bonus. This is basically your proficiency bonus, but specifically for attacks. Uh, All right. Inqu- Inquisitor gets a plus zero. Uh, and you can ref- and you see the table Interesting. there. Interesting. Yes. So there are certain abilities. Like uh, the most common one you can I can think of is at unless you have a plus one base attack bonus, you can't draw a weapon as part of a move action. But what mm-hmm. can you do? Um, quick note about actions. The action economy is a little different in Pathfinder. You have instead of standard, you said, instead of action, bonus action, and movement, which are kind of separate in Five E. You have standard action, swift action, and a move action. You can take a move at. You can basically use your standard action to convert it into a move action, double move, like in Five E. Okay. Um, standard action is common things like spells and attacks and whatever. Uh, swift action can be taken. They're kind of like a bonus action. They're tied to certain abilities. Uh, there's an immediate action, which is tied to certain abilities, and it gets rid of your swift action for the next turn. Um, sure. And that's basically like your reaction. Um, gotcha. You're, so you have action, your move action, and your reaction. There's no bonus action. You don't get a re. It's not called a reaction, but you get attacks of opportunities uh, for free, basically. As oh, far so as I the uh, so opportunity attacks are free. And the swift action is something else. Yes, it's kind of like a bonus action if you need to think of if you can think about it like that. Yeah, sure. The immediate action is kind of like a reaction, um, but you you can't like take one automatically. You basically just have to. It has to be tied to a specific ability. Um, sure. Oh, and there's the here's a big thing, the full round attack. That's a very common thing in Pathfinder, which separates it from Five E. Where if you if you look down the table, you'll see base attack bonus. It goes like at fifteenth level, you'll get. Or sorry, at eighth level you'll get plus six slash plus one. Yep. So that's basically you get a second attack at eighth Ooh, level. Ooh, fun. Um, and it, it's at a lower bonus because I don't know what the I mean the, the logic behind that is taking a second attack it might be a little too fast or hasty it's not as as easy to hit. Well, but, let's focus on first level right now. Right. Well, I, just not, men- I, I just wanted to mention that where if you take a you can't do anything other than a full round attack if you choose a full mm-hmm. round attack. Okay. Um, there's also something called the five foot step, which is a free move action where you just basically move five feet and then you can do it. That's a very common thing. Five foot step, full round attack. Um, sure. If you just need to move a, a little bit. So uh, let's keep on going with that. Yeah, sorry. I, I kind of dro- dropped a little bit. Yeah, um, uh, let's go on for the first level just because we might have to do a part two for this. Oh, Jesus. Okay, that's true. <laughs> uh, let's go for I mean, what- I, I mean, I wouldn't, I would ha- happily do a part two because. For me, this is very fascinating. I'm, le- I'm learning new stuff because of the first time sure. I was kind of rushed you chose a, character creation. Yeah, you chose a spellcaster, so that's probably a, a great thing to do for a second uh, for a second part where you choose like a deity and then the domain and stuff. All right, let's start with uh, this stuff. So weapon right. and armor proficiency is the first thing you get. You get all simple weapons uh, plus the hand, crossbow, longbow, blah, blah, blah. You don't need to 
light armor, yeah, I'm, medium. I'm writing that. Light armor, yeah. medium armor, and shields. Yep. Um, light, that basically medium, chooses. Shields. That's basically what you can choose to. Uh, excuse me. Um, okay. You can choose to buy based on your starting gold. There's also something to to notice is um, going back to racial traits. Let's cover this real quick. Uh, sure. Your base speed is 30 feet. Sweet. Now that, that can be modified based on what kind kind of armor you do that, but we can get that into that in another part. Um, and if you'll if you'll look at going back to skills real quick. Yep. Size. You count as a small creature. You get a plus one okay. size bonus to your armor class. Mark that down somewhere. Plus one to size. Gotcha. Um, plus one size bonus to attack rolls. Plus one to attack. Um, minus one penalty to your CMB and CMD. What now, are though, those? That's a, a good point. So CMB stands for combat maneuver bonus. Those are basically okay. maneuvers in combat that are tied to certain abilities, most commonly grappling. So grappling a creature isn't just like a, a – it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's a single role, but it's sort of specific – there's a specific set of rules for it based on certain classes. Like the monk is very sure. common, very proficient in CMB and CMD. Uh, CMD is combat maneuver defense, where it's your ability to resist combat maneuvers being done to you. Oh, no. Yeah. So it's um, – so you have a minus – so it makes it a little easier for uh, things to – grab and hold on to you or harder for you to grab and hold on to them but great you also get i a, have a limp you also get a plus four size bonus to stealth check so write that down oh, sweet uh, plus next four to your stealth, stealth bonus sweet um that's you also get so there are uh feet and skill racial traits where you get a plus four racial bonus to ride and stealth checks ride and stealth sweet so, so another thing to stealth yes so because it's a racial bonus it stacks with a size bonus so oh, you have a right. you start and... with a plus eight to stealth. What? And then I also took oh, I, and this is good because I didn't take the stealth uh, bonus in the beginning for my skills for yeah. Inquisitor. So that's great. So if you had yeah, if you had put in a skill rank, that would have been a plus nine. But yeah, um, oh then you have fast move, fast movement. You get forty. Uh, you get a total of a plus ten to your speed, and Sweet. dark vision sixty feet. Dark vision is a little different. Not all creatures get dark vision. Usually they have low light vision, which is different. But okay. Yeah, that's cool, and that's good. See, see how it's all starting to come together. Yeah. All right, so um, that should be all we need from the goblin page, which is good. We can close that. Okay, so we, so I got the goblin page done. Um, I'm like after we'll decide the name when we get to uh, before we transfer on, but I, I'm getting a good feel for this character. He's coming together in my head. Um, it's definitely a he with some non-binary tendencies but it we'll get to that we'll get oh. to that. i'll just like we'll take the last minute of this to describe how i would draw out the character in my mind so we'll, we'll go with it but yeah let's continue on sure and so the next thing on the uh on the class features is spells so you sure. have the specific inquisitor spell list i think we might want to hold off on that for now that but, will be part two yeah but you can uh so you, you have a total of five uh, oh, sorry. No, this is a first level. Four, so four cantrips four... and two first levels. Spells known. Yes, and you have three because you have had eighteen wisdom. So three, uh, three spells at first level. That's but great. On, yeah. Only four uh, zeroth level spells, which are changed based on depending on what uh, what class you're. Like they're called orisons in uh, by certain classes, but it's not really important. Basically, cantrips. Yeah. Uh, next up is your domain. We'll talk about that next one. 
Okay. Uh, judgment. Now, judgment, judgment. is kind of like the classic Inquisitor ability. It's okay. basically you can you can put a debuff on someone else or a buff on yourself as a swift action. So like when I said Sweet. the swift action, you can take that as part of your turn without impeding your standard action like an attack or something. Yeah. Um, at first, at level, first you can, level, you uh, can use this once a day. Yeah. Um, we don't need to read into all the rules because it's kind of like – the thing about Pathfinder is that there's so many rules it covers for – pretty much every scenario destruction um, healing justice piercing protection purity re resilience resistance smiting yeah and so those all give different bonuses uh based on different things all right um and you see how like some a lot of them are called sacred bonuses which would stack mm -hmm. with your size bonus um sure so things like that so we still uh last few things are monster lore orisons and stern gaze okay so the inquisitor as monster lore adds her wisdom modifier on knowledge skill checks in addition to intelligence modifier when making checks to identify the abilities and weaknesses of creatures so it's kind of specific but you can basically add your plus four wisdom to any knowledge role you make about identifying a creature's weakness it's kind of like awesome. the hunt the hunter of the evil kind of thing for the inquisitor that motif Awesome. Um, Orzins, those are your zeroth level spells that you could choose. And Stern Gaze, Inquisitors are skilled at sensing deception and intimidating their foes. Inqu Inquisitor receives a morale bonus on all intimidate and sense motive checks equals to half her Inquisitor level, minimum of one. So you get a Amazing. plus one morale on intimidate and sense motive. All right. This character is really coming together. I'm feeling it in my mind. Um, so we'll take the minute before we move on to homebrew stuff. Uh, oh, there's, so there's one I'm... last thing you need to choose. And I think this, oh, this will come last in, thing? this will come in part two, what you decide, but I, every character starts with one feet. Now feet are different Ooh. in Pathfinder. You get more of them. You get one every other level plus bonuses based on, uh, different class abilities. But I want you to come next week, uh, after looking through, cause there are a lot of them, um, I want you to you're look. giving me homework is what you're saying. Yeah, I'm giving you homework. So <laughs> look into uh, the list of feats. There are many different types of feats. I'd recommend some kind of combat or general feat. Or you can. there's a list of racial feats that you can choose for your goblin if you don't have an idea of what they're going to do. Um, and traits. So traits are like small bonuses that you get. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say choose two because usually you get two or three depending on what your GM says. Uh, so I was going to say look through traits and feats. Choose one feat and two traits uh, for next okay. week. And then we'll go sure. through uh, spells and stuff next time. Sure. So just for everyone at home listening as I am making this character, this is what I have in mind. My name is Flukta. I am an inquisitor of some type of inquisition. I have not decided that yet. <laughs> My domain is not yet made. However, if you try to deceive me, I will know, and you will be punished for it accordingly. I do not treat lies the same way that I treat truths. And if you confess to me, I promise that your death will be swift and you will be forgiven in the eyes of the law. And there are quotation marks around forgiven. <laughs> I love it. I can already see it coming together. And so yes. if you have that idea in mind, I'd recommend looking through feats and just hitting control F and go for sense motive and see which ones can give you bonuses to sense motive. Um, sure. Sweet. Are, you get the idea. You get more feats. They're a little less powerful than feats in, say, 5e, but you can 
add you can combine them together and create some really cool combinations that really fit with your character even if they're not combat feats related necessarily uh really just i think having this is where having an idea of the character can help focus the the look because this is like pathfinder can be really overwhelming but if you have an idea of what you want to do it can help you focus on choosing which feats choosing which abilities and which type of class you want to do just based on that guiding idea for example okay. my fighter that i'm currently playing i knew i wanted him to use a two-handed weapon and i basically focused all of my abilities on like all right what feats can help me with fighting with a two-handed weapon and that helped keep keep me focused and keep me moving towards that goal yeah well, I Flockter definitely has a beginning, and we will continue with him with part two in another upcoming segment. But for now, oh, that's uh, so much fun! See. I felt I felt so smart. <laughs> I felt so experienced. <laughs> you got to introduce me to all these different things. Yeah, and there's Great. a lot of rules I left out. There's a lot of rules I forgot. But really, it's just making sure you have a wealth of knowledge at the table so that you can cover your mistakes. And even if you do mess up, there's no shame in it. There's nothing wrong with that. Just make yeah. sure that. Uh, you know, you're accepting of like, I, I couldn't play Pathfinder if I wasn't willing to, you know, take a step back and go, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I messed that up. You know, I'm, I'll, I'll remember it for next time. And yes. keeping all that in order, I think it's, uh, you know, keeping all that chill and fun. Focus on fun. Yes, focus on the fun. And as we transfer over, let's focus on some homebrew as well. Excellent. So, yes, what was uh, what was today's theme, uh, So today's theme was a uh, spell that you were to transfer over from a different uh, – either a different edition from Dungeons & Dragons uh, – uh, from Dungeons & Dragons or from a different book. So we're going to be transferring yep. them either to or from – Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition into something else or to fifth edition. Okay, yeah. So uh, why don't you go first? I, I'm interested to see what you uh, what you're thinking. So yeah, uh, so yeah, I actually have the Psionic Handbook for Dungeons and Dragons third edition and three point five edition here. Ooh, very good. Um, and Psionics are one of the things that have been lacking in fifth edition, and they tried and uh they tried to add something into unearthed arcana and it just didn't work it was way overpowered it had too much to learn it felt separate from dnd 5th edition so it was always kind of weird in a sense um and like the way they've transferred it over more recently at least with uh the new unearthed arcana intelligence based spells and intelligence based creatures is much more accepting of psionics and it works a little bit better. And I thought we would continue that train by actually taking one of the psionic abilities from 3.5 edition and third edition to make it into fifth edition. Excellent. Um, this is a little bit difficult. Uh, and this was very last minute for me. I didn't have that much time this week with my new job and everything. So I thought that I would try it um, to look through the psionic abilities find one that i like figure out how it would work how it would transfer over which of course can be challenging um but there is a psionic ability called uh catapsy or uh, that i butchered that wow c-a-t-a-p-s-i how would you pronounce that uh catapsy Ca yeah catapsy something C like that catapsi 
Katapsi, Katapsi. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah, okay, Katapsi. Let's let's call it that for now. Yeah, we'll we'll say that. Uh, I am dyslexic, so it will work. <laughs> I um, have sex daily. I mean, uh, oh. dyslexia. <laughs> wow. <laughs> good. That was good. I thank that was really good, Billy. Thank you. I, I stole it from somewhere, but that, okay. thank you. <laughs> um. So it would be a fifth level spell in this case because it's a psionic ability for level five, which it's out of nine, so it balances out with the spell casting. Uh, it takes one action to do. Its range is 100 feet surrounding from you. It's a radius effect, so it's a long radius. Okay. Um, and the uh, it's a concentration for a minute. Uh, it is a, uh, intel uh, a wisdom saving... No, it would be intelligence saving throw um, in my version of it. It's a will negates a saving throw for uh the original edition so intelligence saving throw in this case okay um with that's, this that's uh, the other thing from like three five and pathfinders they don't have intelligence saving throws either it's yes. only the three fort uh dex fort reflex and will sorry continue so this is intelligence saving throw the original text is uh you generate a psych a psychic static to make it more difficult for other psionic creatures to manifest their powers all psionic activity with the air uh Within the area of the of this, of the ability, uh, is given disadvantage on uh, casting, or they're not able to cast. It's harder to manifest, pretty much. Um, and the idea that I had based off of this was, if you were to, with all of the unearthed arcana spells that are coming out based off intelligence, anything with um, Anyone who casts an intelligence-based saving throw spell, such as uh, Synaptic Static or mm -hmm. um, something similar with uh, Mind Sliver or anything of that nature, mm -hmm. you have advantage on intelligence saving throws against spells. That's cool. Um, that's, and that's part of a great way to keep uh, the new psionics balanced is they get you get new spells to counteract some of those abilities, which has been exactly. kind of one of the problems with psionics is that when you introduce all these new elements based on intelligence and the old elements aren't you know equipped to yeah. deal with them, they can be a little overpowered. But and that's a good, for uh, this, that's a good. Yeah, for this spell, considering the range, fifth level makes cell, uh, makes sense because it's a hundred feet, and you get uh, advantage. You and your party all get advantage on intelligence saving throws based uh, against spells, which I think that's, is great. That's great. What level is that again? I forgot. Fifth. Fifth. Yeah, it's it's yes. fitting for a fifth spell. Yes. Cool. Very cool. I like that. Um, good in keeping with the uh, recent Unearthed Arcana. Yeah. Uh, what about my... you, Billy? What you got? Yeah, so mine is my favorite and most terrifying spell from I've ever encountered in Pathfinder. Um, I basically, like, there's nothing really to change. I just added something else to it, um, which I think, I'm not going to go through, I'm not going to, like, compare every single bit of it, but the spell is based on is a ninth level spell called Mage's Disju uh, Disjunction. Ooh, I think is what it's okay. Called. Um yeah, Mage's Disjunction. It's a ninth level wizard spell. Uh, I think a couple others. But for the sake of this fifth edition conversion, it's a ninth level wizard, warlock, or sorcerer spell. Uh, mm -hmm. Verbal somatic components, one action casting time. It has a range of 60 feet, but it has the, it retains the Pathfinder uh, effect radius of a 40-foot radius burst. Uh, instead of a duration of one minute per casting level, I decided to bump it up to an hour because I okay. think ninth level spells need to be as powerful as possible. Yeah, um, of course, it's ninth concentration, level. Concentration, yes, and you'll see why. School of Abjuration. 
You harness the power of the antithesis of magic, the essence of emptiness, and siphon all magic power from an area you designate within 60 feet of you in a 40-foot radius burst. And I was hit with this for the first time when I did the Tomb of Horrors, uh, the Pathfinder version of the Tomb of Horrors, which is basically just updated for that system, but has a lot of the original stuff. All magical effects and magic items, except for those that you carry or touch, are disconnected from their source of magic. All spells are destroyed completely as if by the Dispel Magic spell, and all wow. magic items must make a wisdom saving throw against your spell save DC. And they would, uh, theoretically, they would use your, in Pathfinder, magic items would have their own, like, uh, specific stat that they would roll for something like this. But okay. I would say use yours. So I, my uh, yeah one uh, one thing that I might say is if it's sentient it gets the save and then otherwise it's just the dispel magic. Well, no, that's only because um, that's only because the roll is important uh, based on what they can roll. So gotcha. They and it gives them the opportunity to save against the and and retain their magical qualities. It's just um, anyway yeah so. All, uh, was, uh, upon a failure, the magic item is rendered non-magical and loses all magical benefits for the duration of the spell. Any item that rolls a natural one is permanently rendered non-magical Ooh. instead of temporarily. That's where the roll comes in. And that's very Gotcha. Important. I added a couple lines. The spell disables any non any magical abilities granted by ancestry, such as Asimar's Shroud or a Tiefling's Natural Spellcasting. Um, which, you know, might not be super specified uh, in the spell, but it's like... It's made of magic too. That goes away yeah. too. Um, oh wow! Okay. And we're not done. Yeah. So so this is this is. Oh a, my god. This is this is all. Most of this stuff is in the original spell. And I, in Pathfinder, you don't have three attunement slots. You have like fifteen, and there's no attunement. So like, oh you just have a whole. God. You have a shit ton of magic items on you, and every single one of them has to roll a save or possibly be permanently destroyed. That's terrifying. Damn. It hit me like a brick. I was. Uh, you have 25% chance of dispelling an anti-magic field with this spell. That's, I don't know, whatever. Um, your spellcasting is not affected by the magic, diso I call this magic dissociation. Uh, okay. Because I wanted to make it something different. Uh, your spellcasting is not affected, but any creature that attempts to cast a spell will fail and consume the spell slot. Um, and there are two alternate rules for this I wanted to mention. Sure. You can attempt, and this is based on Pathfinder 2. You can attempt to target one specific item with the spell, and its wisdom throw, instead of having a minus 5 in Pathfinder, it has disadvantage in 5e. To avoid gotcha. being permanently, so you can target it to one specific thing. There's some extra rules about artifacts because, like, destroying artifacts are, should be super hard. And there's part of the spell where if you successfully destroy a, an artifact of, like, ridiculous power, you can possibly lose your ability to cast spells, which I think is super cool. Yeah. Um, I won't go into those, but, like, that's a that's a rule in Pathfinder, and I think that's a really cool thing to, to bring over. Um, and the last one is you can attempt to target one specific creature and if they fail their save, they lose all their connection with magic permanently. Whoa. If they, if they can no longer attune to or gain any benefit from using magic items, and if they're a spellcaster, they are permanently unable to cast any spell. Oh my gosh. Um, only a wish spell or divine intervention can restore their magical capabilities, but the wish spell has a 50% chance of failure due to the severity of magic dissociation's interference with the creature's connection to magic. Wow. Yes, this is a ridiculously powerful ninth level spell, and it terrifies the fuck out of me, and I really would like to use this one day, uh, hopefully, if, <laughs> if my uh, party gets that far. But I think it's a great way to sort of pull the rug out from underneath your players. It certainly got me good when most of my abilities are tied to my magic items, but 
to and that specific one could be so cool for role play. It, it would it would kill a fight if someone sudden if a spellcaster suddenly couldn't cast anymore. But like, yeah, what a cool story idea! They get into this this fight and they just they fail, and now they have to figure out what they're gonna do without that. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great. I adore this spell, despite how much it terrified me, but. I, I highly recommend it for any high level play, even if you're, you know, to convert it into a into a fifth edition version. Wow. Well, it definitely left left me with a lot to think about in terms of how I would counteract that and how I would deal with that as a player and as a DM. Excellent. Um, I'm glad. Yeah. That I think that's it for us today. We will continue with part two of the character creation uh, sometime in the future. However, next week we have a special treat where we are going to be joined. Yes, I'm so excited. Uh, we are going to be joined by the General Failure Podcast as we go- talk about RPG stories, whether that is from D&D, Pathfinder, or any other RPG on the no- uh, known to us as uh, players and as DMs, talking about our experiences, what made us laugh, what made us cry, everything of that nature. We'll be talking about that next week. We will have cocktails, mocktails, uh, and we will have even more homebrew because we will be asking... Uh, those guys to contribute as well yeah i'm i'm, ex- I'm looking forward to that uh it's gonna be a lot of fun so thank you jesse for another great episode yeah. and um, thank you billy for taking me through this uh you can find us on facebook instagram twitter uh you can subscribe to our patreon account give us a little bit of money and we will give back to you i promise oh yeah anything le- <laughs> anything legal baby uh oh, yes. yeah you can listen to us on spotify on uh, itunes and leave us a nice review to help get the word out and uh, let people know that you had a good time yes i think that's about uh, it i think that's all we got yeah i think that's it all right, uh, well, yeah thank, thank you, you so Billy, much again. and i cannot wait until the next episode Excellent. Looking forward to it. See you guys later. Bye-bye. See you soon.